So, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word if you are able. Have it on the screen for you as well. And if you're following along with your Scriptures, you'll want to thumb mark this passage because we're going to come back to it several times and we're hopping throughout the New Testament today. John chapter 1, verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask Him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked Him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And He answered, No. Then they said to Him, Who are you? That we may give you an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked Him saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Hopefully, most people here know who Popeye is. If you know who he is, he is well known for being a sailor and liking cans of stuff that. I don't like out of the can. <laughs> Spinach. I'll, I like the leaf stuff, but I don't like the stuff in the can. And uh, trust me, I have some horror stories from my childhood about that stuff. That uh, between my mom and I, um, she would always win and I would certainly lose. Of course. <laughs> Not good stories about canned spinach. But let's put it this way, I still won't eat canned spinach to this day because of the memories. But I'm not here to talk about spinach in my childhood. I'm here to talk about Popeye. Popeye liked it. Made him strong, or so we believed, and it was instantaneous. Which is also hard to believe. But Popeye also had a theology. And it was taught every time he said it. Do you remember his favorite catchphrase? About sweet potatoes? I am what I am. <laughs> That's right. Yam. Okay, just checking. Um, but he said, I am what I am. And that's what I'll be. But Popeye theology is the idea that no matter what God did, when you accepted Jesus Christ, there's still this other part that's still there. And it remains that's ungodly. Hey, I am what I am. It's like what Paul calls the old man that was crucified with Christ. 
This is your familiar identity that makes you who you are when you wake up every morning and not somebody you don't know. When you sin, Popeye theology justifies the sin and it says things like this, I'm only human. Nobody's perfect. Or, I am what I am and this is how I've been and you know, it's familiar so it's okay. This is me. However, we apply Popeye theology in the positive take when we mess up. But when somebody else messes up, we spin Popeye theology in the negative. Especially someone who's ungodly or just started professing the faith will say things like, well, they're coming to church, they're just looking for a handout. Oh, I know their family, they'll never change. You ever heard stuff like that? Um, you know, they are what they are and they ain't going to change. This is Popeye theology in the negative, but it's never directed negatively toward ourselves. It's used to justify ourselves and judge others. See, Popeye theology has double standards. You may say, well, I don't have Popeye theology. We all have Popeye theology in some form or another. And I'm going to help you see that this morning. You see, Popeye theology discredits the cleansing power of the blood of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer. And that includes yourself and others. After all, we say, I am what I am. I just do what I do. I can't help it. You know, the devil made me do it. Whatever. The blood of Jesus can't fix this. <laughs> and we say something like, well, that's who they are. You know, they're never going to change. They can't be God good enough. That is saying the blood of Christ can't redeem others either. And we discredit Jesus Christ by doing that. But I'll tell you one thing that happens in Popeye thinking and theology, and I think you'll agree with me, it's I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. And for us, that's a good thing. It's a good thing I'm not Jesus because I'm not even close. A few weeks ago, I asked if anybody here was God uh, or thought they were, and none of us said, I am. It's a good thing because God would have said if He was here, I am what I am. Which is what He said to Moses. Well, the confession here that I have for you this morning is I'm not God. But I didn't tell you this a couple weeks ago. And I... I don't mean to shock you, but I'm not Jesus either. I, I'm sorry, I'm not. If you were expecting me to be, I just am not. Um, can I can I kind of guess and surmise that you're not Jesus either? Would that be fair? Um, if not, and I'm wrong, I'm standing up here and you should be. Because I'd rather hear from Jesus than me anyway. Well, John the Baptist was asked who he was. And he said, I'm not the Christ. I'm not Jesus. And there's a reason why he said, I'm not Jesus. It's because he didn't know Jesus was a Christ yet. He was very clear that he was not the Christ. So he said, I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. Who are you? And he knew his identity, didn't he? I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. This is John the Baptist's message. 
And he did that very well. His message was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I, I really like what John the Baptist says in, in John chapter 1, verse 20, in the part of the section we read. He says, I'm not the Christ. He also says it in Luke 3.16. I'm not the Christ. As a matter of fact, he says it in Matthew as well. When he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, in, in verse 23 for our passage today, he was talking about the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40 that said, Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Her warfare is ended. A voice crying in the wilderness. Cry out, all flesh is like grass, which soon withers and flowers fade. And one day thrown into the furnace. Here one day gone the next. And... In that passage, it also says, make the rough places plain. The highway shall be a, a road for our God. That it will be smooth for God to come in. And, and John the Baptist did that because he knew, and, and I'm going to show you how he knew in just a moment, but he knew what his job was. He knew his job was to get the Messiah's pathway ready. He did not know who the Messiah was. Now, people came out to him, and in Luke chapter 3, he talks about those guys. He says, and I like this, I just want to read it, it's verse 7. He said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, <laughs> bunch of snakes, bunch of little devils. And he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And you know who was coming out? The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the temple leaders were all coming to see John. And some of them were getting baptized by John. John had a big following. And his message, which was, as I said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he sees these people who are from the temple come out to him. And he says, you guys are the worst of a bunch. You're a bunch of snakes. <laughs> who told you to flee from the wrath of God? You're in the temple. Why don't you just take care of business the right way instead of having to flee from what you're doing wrong? Soldiers came out. Roman soldiers came out to be baptized by John. Tax collectors. <laughs> all the sinners came to John. And all the would-be saints. Or wannabes, if you will. And they asked him something. They said, what should we do? And he says, not only do you need to repent, you need to bear the fruits of it. Fruits of repentance. And they said, well, what, what, what should we do? And he said... He who has two coats, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do for others the same. Tax collectors asked him, what do we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Do not collect extra. The soldiers asked him, saying, what shall we do? And he said, do not intimidate anyone, which is what they were doing. Or accuse falsely, which they did regularly. And be content with 
your wages. And as he was teaching and preaching, they said, Are you the Christ? You know what he said? I'm not the Christ. He told it to the Sadducees, he told it to the Pharisees, anybody who would listen, I'm not the Christ. But I know who He is in a sense of what His purpose is and what my purpose is. And they came to John because he had boldness. He was confident in the message God gave him. He could have said, I'm John the Baptist. But John wasn't called John the Baptist back then. He was just called John. John the Baptizer he got the name of, but we call him John the Baptist because John the Methodist would have sounded funny. (laughs) But actually, the reason we call him John the Baptist is what the Scripture calls him, and also it's how we differentiate from John the Disciple. But someone used to call me a few years ago, John the Methodist, I always thought, is that a compliment or not? But John did not know who the Messiah was. Now you say, well, wait a minute. How can, how can that be possible? When Elizabeth was pregnant with John, her cousin Mary was pregnant with Jesus a few months later, and they kind of hung out together, and Jesus and John grew up as cousins. What do you mean he didn't know Jesus? Didn't say that. Said he didn't know Jesus was inside. He did not know. Jesus didn't tell him either. Now, isn't that interesting how we all think, well, John the Baptist knew who Jesus was and that he should know that he was the Messiah, but he says, I don't know who the Messiah is. And here is why I say that. In the chapter where we started in John chapter 1, here's what John does. It says, the next day, this is verse 29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for He was before me. Verse 31, I did not know Him. But that He should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. Hear His text in 31. My task was to baptize with water and reveal the Messiah. You say, wait a minute. How does baptizing reveal the Messiah? It is because when Jesus was baptized shortly after this statement is that the dove comes upon Jesus and He's filled with the Holy Spirit, goes out in the desert and wilderness for the temptation when Jesus starts His ministry. That's when Jesus became Messiah. Until that point, the Holy Spirit was not resting upon Him as a dove. Now, when John the Baptist is told that the one whom the dove rests upon is the Messiah, it doesn't just say the dove descends on this person. It says the dove descends and remains. It stays there. The Holy Spirit stays on Jesus. In other words, there could have been a dove float down and leave on several. But on Jesus, it remains. And that's what that verse 32 says up on the screen. So he did not know who the Messiah was. He just knew Jesus. Now later, when John is in prison, he sends people to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we wait for another? 
Is there another? At this time, when Jesus is baptized, He hasn't done any miracles. Not taught in the temple. Just been raised. Living a quiet life. Not a lot of history recorded about that part of His life. But you understand what's going on is John sees the dove remain on Him and he knows that that is the sign. But when he's in prison, doubt comes in. John wants to know if his task is done. If his task is done, he's going to die in prison. Basically, that's what he's thinking. So Jesus sends word to him, basically saying, I am the Christ. I am the one. So John the Baptist and Jesus, cousins, John baptizes him, but but when Jesus comes to be baptized, he refuses. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you're the Messiah. That's when he sees the dove. You're the Messiah. I cannot baptize you. Now, wait a minute. Jesus has asked him to be baptized by Him. Now, if the Messiah asks you to do something and you refuse, what do you think the next step is? In the Old Testament, it's kind of like lightning bolts. <laughs> and Jesus, probably sensing John's hesitancy because they were cousins, says, it is right, proper, it is right according to God that you should do this to fulfill the Scripture. That you must baptize me. He can't baptize himself. And nobody else was doing it. So Jesus is baptized by John. And you know what's interesting? is when Jesus is baptized, John talks about Him. He says, the Messiah is one who's coming after Me. He's preferred before Me. In another passage it says that He was also before Me, but born after Me. Go figure that one, right? He knew who Jesus was. In other words, who the Messiah was. And He says, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. And I believe that's why John was very insistent on not baptizing Jesus. Because as Messiah, John has no place in the kingdom to do that. Scripture even tells us that John's lower than the angels. As great as John is, he's lower than the angels. And he says, I'm not worthy to untie the strap on his sandal. Now you say... Well, just untie a shoe. What's the big deal there? Because in that time, the person who took the strap off of the sandal was the common lowest form of servanthood. It's as low as the water boy. It's the water boy's job, actually, to do that. If you remember that message I talked about. In other words, the worst or not the worst, but the lowest status person in that society was the one who took the sandals off and then would wash the feet of the people coming in. He said, and I'm not even worthy to do that. 
I'm not worthy to be a servant for the Messiah. Wow. I'm not even worthy to touch His dirty feet. And it's the lowest form of personhood in the kingdom. And that's why I said I can't baptize you. Because you're God and I'm not. I can't be in your realm. I can't even touch you. Let alone to think that I could even untie your shoe and wash your feet. I don't even think I can do that. I know my place is what he's saying. And John was right. He wasn't worthy to untie his sandals. Because he's not a part of the kingdom of God yet. Crucifixion has not yet happened. He hasn't been born again. He just knows who Jesus is now. John did not sell himself short by saying he was unworthy to do that. It's not a statement of pity. It's not a statement of Popeye theology. I'm not good enough. I am what I am. I'm not perfect, so I can't do that. He's saying, I am not a part of your kingdom. I don't even know. I didn't even recognize you were the Messiah till today. How could I even think that you would let me in your house to be a servant when I didn't know you? There are a lot of folks that don't know Jesus that say they do. And they'll wonder why they can't even get a servant's job in heaven. Maybe because they might be wondering why they're outside the door, weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth. You see, John didn't have the cross. It's a few years down the road yet. But let me tell you something. You do. The cross has happened for us. When you are born again, you are a new creation. You don't know who you are. Not really. Not when you're born again. But you can assume falsely that you are the same person with a little bit of Jesus inside. This is how Popeye theology works. Well, i got Jesus in my heart, but I'm still a sinner. <laughs> i got the Holy Spirit, but you know, I am the old man still. I am what I am. Nobody's perfect. I make mistakes just like you. We're comparing others who are not like Christ or filled with the Holy Spirit. We say, I'm just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Careful who you qualify yourself with because Christians have a remarkable difference. We have the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing every sin. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between you and a non-believer. Maybe you feel as though you're not Jesus though because you're not holy enough. Maybe that's why we think that. Or maybe it's because you think you're not good enough. Or you're too sinful. (laughs) Or maybe you're just not Jesus-like enough. You don't even think of yourself as being Him because you are who you are. Popeye theology. Maybe you have Popeye theology and you just didn't know it yet. It's damaging.
You cannot say, I am what I am. You were, not am. You were what you were, but now you're a new creation. And now you've got to figure out what that means. You are what God says you are. Not what you think you are, or what you've learned that you are. According to Scripture, I am what God says I am. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who I believe I am or what my friends or family tell me I am. It's who God says I am. And that's a blood-bought child of the King. I'm part of the family on even keel with Jesus Christ. One with Him. The same as Him, but not Him. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. This is correct. But we have His authority when we belong to God. We just don't think so. Because, you know, Jesus is so much higher and better. According to the cross, you are the same in status with Jesus. You say, oh, no, no, no. You don't understand my past or how I think or what I really believe or what I feel. Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. In a life which I now live. Not that was. The life I live now in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. There is a difference. The life you now live is different than the life you did live. I am what I am worked when you were not a believer in Jesus Christ. When you did not surrender. I am now a new creation. And the life I now live is Christ living in me. Here's another way to say that. When people see you, they should see Jesus, not you. And for some of us, that's like, well, that's preposterous. You know, I I look nothing like the guy. There you go again, trying to compare yourself to physical appearances and physical attributes or the way you might think. But hear it again. When all of heaven looks at you and you belong to God, you look like Jesus to God. He knows you're not Jesus, but you look like Him. And you have God's Holy Spirit in you, which is a mark of belonging. It's sealed. You are signed by the blood of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you will be delivered into the kingdom. You are signed, sealed, and delivered one day. In Galatians 6, Paul says this, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross, which John the Baptist didn't have yet, by which the world has been crucified to me and I have been crucified to the world. You hear what Paul's saying? I'm no longer here. What you see is not who I was. And sometimes those old thought patterns come back In 1 Corinthians, he says, as a reminder to you and me, in chapter 15, he says, I affirm by boasting you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. 
How can you die daily if you've never truly been transformed? How can Paul die and still be alive unless it's Christ that lives in him? What's dying off? It's the stuff that doesn't make sense, that doesn't line up with God's Word. Or what God says is true about you. This stuff needs to die off. And sometimes you've got to do it every minute. Sometimes you've got to grab those thoughts and go, no, this is not true. I know I feel that way, but God says otherwise. Thought, get out of my head. Satan, get behind me if that's you. I don't need that. I need the truth. I am a member of God's kingdom. God has redeemed me. These are the statements that are made by someone who knows true theology. I am a child of my heavenly Father who loves me, who gave His Son for me. I am redeemed. He sees me as spotless, as whiter than snow. I will go where He sends me. I'll follow wherever. I trust Him. And He's learning gradually to show me that He can trust me too. See, when we say uh, I'm not perfect or I'm just human, I make mistakes like everybody else, we're dismissing the fact that we can learn and grow. We're also dismissing the truth that you don't have to make those mistakes and repeat them. That God has changed you and is changing you from the inside out. Our Popeye theology goes from the outside in. Not from the inside out. What do I mean by that? Simply that, well, I've made mistakes. I've done things that are not pleasing to God. Therefore, He can't accept me, my thoughts. These are all attributes of things that have happened as we've lived in this world. The outside in is what that's talking about. When you got inside out theology, it's Jesus Christ is in me. That other stuff isn't Jesus. As much as you're not Jesus is how far you've got to go to get God to clean out the stuff that doesn't line up with Him. <coughs> Let me say that again in case you said, what did I just say? Or He just say? As far as you are from being and saying, when you say, I'm not Jesus, you go, man, you just have no idea how not Jesus I am. The stuff that makes you not Jesus like, that's what God's got to get rid of in you. That's what's got to die off. That's what Paul says is already dead, but sin keeps reviving it. But it has no dominion over you. Sin has no power in your life unless you give it. Man. So what Paul said is true for him is true for you. You're crucified with Christ and crucified to the world and you die daily. So I have a question for you. What's holding you back from God? What needs to die off? Is it your thinking? Your fear? What causes you to be hesitant and not believe God can use you or that you really, really matter or that you belong or that you are called by God? Is it fear? 
Lack of faith? Faith is a gift from God. He's given you enough, but you've got to use it. I don't think it's faith, but it might be this. Doubt. A lot of us get stuck in doubt. Maybe you have trust issues. I promise you we all have some somewhere. Somebody we don't trust. Could be ourselves, could be God. But whatever in you is not Jesus, it needs to go. It needs to die off today and tomorrow and the next day. As God brings you awareness to surrender it to Him. Listen, I'm not Jesus. I've already said that. I am Jonathan. But let me tell you this. Jesus can use Jonathan. You're not Jesus. You're not. But do you know what your name is? You do, don't you? Now, this is going to sound a little confusing, but I promise you, I'm going somewhere with this, and I'm just about ready to wrap this up. Everybody at the same time, when I say, what is your name? Just your first name. Say your first name, okay? It's going to sound crazy because nobody has the same answer, right? Alright, what's your name? Sound kind of crazy, alright? Now say this together. I am not Jesus. You ready? I am not Jesus. And then, now say, I am not Jesus. I am what's your name? I am this. I am not Jesus. I am Jonathan. But God can use you can. You just have to know that. And when He does, (coughs) Scripture in John 14 says, people will see Jesus manifested in you. And to somebody, when that happens, you will be Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so much like John the Baptist, I sometimes feel like a voice crying in the wilderness wondering if I'm just beating the air like with the fists and nothing happening. And at other times I feel like you're so close that when I speak I can feel you all around. But this morning, Heavenly Father, there's parts of us that still feel like we're not Jesus. That we couldn't even come close to being in the same sandals, untying his shoes. And that part of us is saying that that would be blasphemy. But Heavenly Father, you're not asking us to be your son, Jesus. You're asking us to be your child who reflects Jesus. And God, one day may we all with confidence say, I am not Jesus. I am who I am by name. But others see Jesus when they look at me. And God, I think you could be okay with that. More than okay with that. Because you can use us. You have a lot for us to do. And I'm asking you, God, to help us to surrender that not stuff. The doubts, fears, questions, whatever it might be. And Heavenly Father, help us to do by your Holy Spirit reveal to us what you need to work on in us that that might happen. Amen.